Welcome to the Paragraphing Podcast, a story told one paragraph at a time. I'm your host, Brendan Steidel, joined by my co-host and brother, Jamie. Each day, Jamie and I take turns writing a new paragraph of the story. Each week on the podcast, we read the latest paragraphs and then discuss the writing process, where the story has gone, and where it might go next. We are beginning here with episode uh, five, right? Which is pretty impressive that we're already on episode five. And um, uh, Jamie is joining me here. Yes, I'm right here. I'm joining. Wonderful. And um, w- just to let the audience know where we left off, the, the piece that I had last had our two characters, now, or two of our characters, I should say, um, that being Chevron and our main narrator at the moment, at least, um, Kelvin, were visiting a restaurant and... Um, they were kind of being led, perhaps, uh, to the underworld, across the river Styx by a Grim Reaper-ish character. And that's where we left off, so I'll continue with my piece. The man or woman in the folded black garb handed Chevron and I both a plate of toast. It wasn't the best toast I'd ever had, but it suited. It was burnt and charred at the corners. Chevron swallowed his slice whole. I nibbled at mine. Do you have any salt? I asked. Or preferably, pepper? The man or woman in the garb said nothing. They just began to paddle, rowing with the oars. They were not particularly chatty, as it were. Who is he? Chevron asked. You mean they? I said. You mean there's more than one? He asked, looking up, down, and all around, trying to spot how two people could fit into the black garb. No, I said. They is the correct way of addressing someone if you don't have their sex. They is the pronoun you use. Hmm, Chevron said. Pronoun. I think I had a few pronouns once as an appetizer, but they were too stale. Chevron, the ultimate taste tester, failed to understand pronouns. But he was right. Sometimes pronouns could be a little stale or misplaced, which is why I tried to respect whoever it was under that black garb. They were not a talkative person, but then... Few talked more than our cohort of misfits. The water we paddled through was the darkest I'd seen. I stuck my head over the brim of the ship. Can you call it a brim? I mean, a boat is cup-like. The water was so black that it reflected nothing. Not even my face stared back. It was a lifeless pond. Kinda looks like molasses, Chevron said. I wonder, I said, dipping my finger into the water. It was thick and syrupy. The blackness stuck on my finger like honey. Chevron could see on my face what I was about to do. He tried to stop me, but my tongue was much too fast. Tastes like chocolate, I said after I licked my finger. Chevron followed suit. He licked his finger. Excitedly, we began to dunk our hands into the pool. Soon, we were shoving handfuls of chocolate down our mouths, splashing chocolate all over the boat. The boat began to tilt as we joyously enjoyed the stagnant lake. We moved so much the boat began to rock, and rocked the dark figure into noticing the boat was listing heavily on one side. The figure turned to us and finally spoke. You mustn't drink from the lake, she said, throwing off her dark hood and showing a face surrounded by dark, curly long hair. But it was too late. We had drank from the lake, and the lake was already filling into the boat. It's so good, I said. Chocolate, Chevron said. The boat was sinking. We had leaned too far. We have to get out of the lake as soon as we can, said the woman, who took up her scythe. Is that a scythe? I asked. But before she responded, the boat had sunk and she had disappeared into the dark chocolate. 
I don't think she knows how to swim, I said to no one in particular, because, apparently, Chevron didn't know how to swim either. I, of course, was an outstanding swimmer, standing, as I was, outside of the boat, which was inside of the great river of chocolate. Deep inside of it, by my measure. And yes, I was standing. My feet caught a toehold, or my toes caught a foothold, on something. I was worried, of course, even having served as a first-class swimmer in Linsalem, and I'll tell you why. I didn't know the potential staining effects of chocolate on my boots. I didn't know how chocolate might affect my backstroke. I didn't know where to find a tall glass of milk after all this dessert. I didn't know what it was I was standing on, and I didn't want to do what I was about to do. I dove down into the chocolate, and instantly I regretted it. Chocolate surrounds you in a way no pool ever will. It envelops you as an envelope might a letter. If that envelope was made of thick slabs of chocolate, and if that chocolate was being melted by a river of lava. And lava, it felt like, burning the soft places under the eyes, the nose, the ears, singeing the sinuses with a sweet sting. But still I dove, searching with outstretched fingers for our last and only hope. I felt the brim of the boat, followed the rough of the deck, until I came to it, bundled up in the bundle I left it when I boarded the boat. The egg, the last egg, the one egg that the ambassador hadn't chicken-fied, the one egg I had preserved against the magician's wily plots. I made an underwater motion, under chocolate, with my hands, perfectly mimicking the ambassador's sly moves, and in one fell swoop turned the egg into a chicken, and the chicken into a pursuer, and a pursuer into a titanium levitation master. Instantly I felt the chocolate separate, pulling apart as it was lifted up, and me and the boat and Chevron and the boat, and the whole of the river and the dark lady of the river with it, clear into the air, higher and higher and higher, until we crashed our collective heads into the ceiling of the underworld and had to start digging up. This is a tedious process, Chevron said. You're welcome, I answered, and you're right. Drowning in chocolate may have been a tastier fate. Being pressed upwards, I felt the whole weight of the world on my shoulders, which was exactly the case. We dug upwards with pure determination, hoping that the earth would give way sooner than titanium levitation. Beside me, Chevron shoveled with his hands, and the lady, all in black garb with her scythe, hoed the earth. The chocolate waved and bobbed in the air, testing the limits of zero gravity, floating and staining our clothes, blotting out our path from time to time. The work was exhausting, and the chocolate made each minute harder to focus on our pursuit our escape. Soon, we take breaks, each nibbling some chocolate, which we noticed began to solidify. We must keep moving, I said, channeling Macy. I wondered where Macy was and wondered if she could still hear my thoughts, if she could somehow, with her always thinking mind, mine us out of this predicament. If we fall, Chevron said, teetering weightlessly above the earth, below the earth, in the cavern, we die. The lady with the black garb laughed, a deep, hollow laugh that echoed in the hollowed-out chamber. That was when I heard the voice from above. Excuse me? Uh, yes, I asked. The voice was loud, very loud, and yet personal. What do you think you're doing? I, we, I, I mean, uh, we, I should say, that's me and uh, uh, Chevron. Me and Chevron. Chevron and I, we're digging our way out of here, along with, I nudged the lady with the scythe. Sorry, madam, I didn't get your name? She said nothing. She just kept scything up into the ruddy ceiling of the place. I continued. We're trying to get our bloody selves out of this predicament. I see, the voice said. And what, may I ask, do you think you are doing? I demanded. 
It might be the voice of God, surely it sounded resonant and important, but what would God be doing in a predicament like this? If it was God, I'm sure there was a good reason, and if it wasn't, we might as well get ourselves acquainted. Oh, the voice responded, I am trying to understand what went wrong here. You see, the plan is as it's always been. I say, the plan was as it always was. Take some souls across the river, introduce them to the underworld, and then go about the rest of the day. Yours were the souls. But now I see you up at the roof of the underworld, digging your way back up to the earth. And I'm here trying to make heads or tails of the thing. So you understand the frustration. I do hope you'll excuse the brusqueness. Yes, of course. Sounds like a rotten day, I admitted. Believe me, I follow your line of feeling about it all. Right down to the digging part. Never was one for digging, or, in truth, any kind of yard work. Gardens are tasty things, but is the taste worth the labor? One must ponder the question seriously, and the seriousness with which some enthuse over the whole muddy matter of vegetables. Indeed, the voice affirmed. But still, I see, you persist in it. Ah, the digging is more for life than taste, I noted. Somewhat different calculation for me. Though talk to Chevron here, and you might get another equation altogether. He's a taste tester, I mean. So flavor to him is worth all those calories burned in the garden. I looked to Chevron. He dug and dug and dug some more. His energy seemed to have with each successive scoop, and yet still he scooped, unflagging in his metal, if not his muscle. Finally, I asked the voice, Well, what do you make of it? Oh, I haven't the faintest, the voice said. Truly, I don't. So, I coaxed, are you going to do anything about it? Me, the voice asked, surprised. Yes, you, whatever or whoever you are. No, no, I couldn't. It would be unfair. Unfair? How? I asked. Look, if you're going to tear us back down to the underworld, you might as well tear now, while we're all perforated with exhaustion. You'll make a clean break of it. But if you're not going to tear us down, then might I request you give us a boost and boost us out of here? Or even so much as a step stool to step out of this mess? Ugh, I do apologize. Sincerely, I do. But there's nothing I can do. You can apologize. I'm sorry. I am. I mean, you said you can't do anything, but you just did with your apology. So why can't you do with something or other about this situation? My desperation was showing, and worse, my brow was beginning to perspire. The voice replied, Look, I can't throw down a rope ladder, and anyway, I was never one for getting knots right. But what I can do is give you the best thing you could ever ask for. A plate of mozzarella sticks? No, the voice said. Better. My words of encouragement. The words of encouragement were as encouraging as you could imagine, and just as annoying. The voice lost all matter of conversation and began voicing his opinion on how hard we had to work and how hard work always rewarded those who worked the hardest. We had worked hard enough, I felt, that we deserved the reward the voice was saying. To those who work, they shall inherit the rewards. To those who reap, they will receive the earth, the voice said. We have the earth, mate, I said. I think the earth more has us, Chevron said. Buckets of sweat poured down his face. He was right. We had been swallowed whole, but we had not wholly been enveloped, so long as we had spirit. Spirit is life, and that should suffice, the voice said. Are you rhyming now? I asked. Me? I never, the voice said. Remember to always work hard forever and ever. Sounds like a rhyme to me, I said. 
Never mind the rhymes, because suddenly the earth gave way and a sliver of sunlight trickled down at us. I caught the beam in my hand and watched my palm fill with beams of beautiful light. We've struck light, I said, like a miner finding gold. Suddenly, something had happened. It turns out, I'd learn later, that caves have different atmospheres than the earth above, and we had created what could only be described as a river of air. If I got my science terms correct... The hole we crafted soon began to whistle at us. What's that? Chevron asked. I think the earth is whistling at us, I said. And then we were pulled. First the lady in garb, her robe billowed and danced and converged, pulled through the earth. And then I was next. Smushed, mushed, mashed, and pressed through the crack like a rodent pressed under a door. Chevron was after. We shot out of the earth, riding atop a geyser of chocolate. We all landed on the earth and found Macy and the ambassador standing above us. They were holding grocery bags. Did you go shopping? Chevron asked, exasperated. The ambassador did, Macy said. I bought him a motivational tape, the ambassador said. He's been playing it on repeat, Macy said, rolling her eyes. It's an AI, the ambassador said excitedly. That was when the lady in the black garb finally spoke and told us something we all needed to hear, but wished we hadn't. That'll be thirty-two fifty, she said. Excuse me, I asked. Each of you, thirty-two fifty plus tip. For what? The ambassador demanded. Shh, Chevron coaxed. Of course, what a reasonable price. He searched his chocolate-smudged pant pockets for change. What did you order? Macy asked, trying to tote up what extravagances we had indulged in at thirty-two fifty a meal. The ambassador's outrage hit a boiling point. If you expect my party to pay for that disaster of a dessert display, you have another thing coming. But I tried to soothe him. Only Chevron and I knew what measure of damage we had committed with all that titanium levitation mess. It could take them a few weeks just to gather up all that waxy chocolate, and I shuddered at the thought of how many blowtorches it would take to melt it back into a trickle, let alone a placid black lagoon. A rotten game of pickup sticks we had made at the river sticks. It could have cost us our souls, but here was this kind reaper lady offering us a deal at thirty-two fifty. I emptied the pockets of my coat and came up empty. And of course I would. My coat wasn't my coat. It was the muddy robe she'd handed me. Chevron saw my scramble and scrambled just the same. He even went so far as to remove the robe to see if there were any other hidden pockets. Funny fellow. Aha! he exclaimed. And in one fell swoop, a flightless chicken swooped out of the pocket. Swooped and hit the ground, of course, this being a baby chick. It hit with quite a thud, actually, and before any of us could reach down to help the little bugger, it shattered into a million little bugs. Actor ants! Seize them! Macy, the master-at-arms of Mapleton, said. Those ants are wanted on bribery charges! Quick! But it was too late. They had already shape-shifted into just what the taste tester ordered. Eighty-seven dollars in change. Eighty-seven! The ambassador counted perplexed. Full the tip, Chevron said, handing it over to our now grinning reaper. She took it, gave us a nod, and was on her way. Those dastardly ants, Macy mumbled. Lifesavers, Chevron affirmed. Now, what do you have for us? I'm famished. And that's it. What was really nice about this one, especially this this last part, is you have the actor ants you explain what that chicken was and the pursuer was, which I think you already 
had a feeling about beforehand were the actor ants, and I liked how they're wanted for bribery charge <laughs> charges, and, and they turn into money, and the lady takes them and walks away, and, <laughs> and they escape. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like what? What better way to escape on bribery charges than to <laughs> than as money? <laughs> I guess. I guess. I guess I could have made it, made it like counterfeit charges. Um, that maybe would have been, no, I, I like it. Yeah. I think, I think, <laughs> you know, looking through this again, it's interesting. I was thinking this when it comes to our other story that we wrote, this is Zoic, which we wrote chapter by chapter. So I'd write a chapter, you'd write a chapter and we both follow along that in those, we can develop themes and ideas a lot more. And in these, we're doing the same thing, but we're creating so much in such a short space. And I feel like sometimes we don't answer the other person's question. And then the other person has to go and answer it. And I noticed this in particular, and this is what makes it so hard to do paragraph by paragraph or at least short scenes. Um, I noticed this when I, we're reading through it again and I've read it before, but there are a lot of things you miss when you're writing it because you're not, you're not, there's so many elements to think about with the chicken that he had turning into a pursuer, the egg or whatever, turning into the pursuer, mm-hmm. which then created titanium levitation. And I didn't answer that question next and then somebody's talking, and I'm only assuming that the person that you thought was originally talking would have been this pursuer or ant or something, but I turned it into a voice coming from above, or, well, yours was a voice coming from above, too. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought, reading this again, that it was coming from maybe the actor ants or the pursuer, but I made it into a mixtape that our ambassador had purchased yeah that was having a conversation with our character i I loved i I mean i loved the tape idea and i loved that you picked up on like just that that conversation um because i think hold on the voice from above the you you created the voice from above not me you said oh that was it was a voice but i made it a voice from above. yeah and i made it kind of like perhaps godlike and i was thinking it would be really funny if a godlike oh. character was just kind of like, eh, you know, this is, you know, just very conversational and colloquial and just kind of like not all knowing, more just like perceiving and thinking and, and being kind of funny about things. But I, I just absolutely love, oh, and then I, th- I love the idea that like maybe this god, like all, all this god would ever do was he wouldn't do anything. He would just, Offer some words of encouragement, you know, like that's words were all he, he, he was good for now after doing all the creation. He was a little, yeah. tired. and then I, 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 <laughs> I loved where you took it, where, where you kind of explained that away. Cause I was getting a little worried. We were becoming maybe a little too, um, you know, religious or otherworldly too prophetic. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I explained that away, but I also began it with being very religious. To those who work, they shall inherit the rewards. To those who reap, they will receive the earth. Yes, and I was worried I at that. Up, I was like, oh my I God, now you're voices. really going. Yeah, it's like, oh gosh. Mixed up, I mixed up some words there. Uh, that's obviously a ripoff from Jesus' Sermon on the Mountain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but I didn't want to, I de- yeah, I definitely didn't want to go that way. I wanted it to be a ridiculous mixtape that that not only is a is a tape that mixes up like famous phrases and words of encouragement, but also is uh, artificial intelligence that can have conversation. Yes, that was sounds a good like way. an awful mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> and I liked that he's he was listening to it on on repeat. I think that that says a bit about the ambassador. Um that he he enjoys this. 
<laughs> he enjoys words of encouragement on repeat constantly. It, it shows that in even in this whole predicament that they're going through with chocolate, the guys are being forced up having to dig their way out of it, that Macy potentially had the worst time out of all four of them <laughs> because she had to constantly hear this mixtape and go grocery shopping with the ambassador. Yeah, and I but I just I do want to say like that one in particular, that piece called Words of Encouragement, where we have this whole story. Um I think you really capture some of the like hilarity of our main character's commentary on the world. Um, like, like he's just, it's just one funny, like repartee. Is that how you say it? Or repartee? Yeah. Repartee. Like, it's just like one, one funny response after another where it's like, you know, to those who reap, they will receive the earth. We have the earth, mate. Like, that's so funny. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) And uh, and then, of course, Chevron's saying, I think the Earth more has us, which is great. And then it's like, spirit is life, and that should suffice. And it's like, are you rhyming now? <laughs> like, well, it just goes to show you that they're not act really listening to what the voice is saying. Yeah. They're just, what, what are you talking about? Like, I don't want to hear this right now, which is exactly what happens when you're going through, you know, an actual situation. You don't necessarily listen to the person, to the words of encouragement yeah. or the content. Sometimes you're just catching glimpses of it and you think, what are they saying right now? What is, what are you rhyming? Like, stop, yeah. give me a hand. And then, and then I just love this. Like we all landed on the earth and found Macy and the ambassador standing above us. They were holding grocery bags. Did you go shopping? Like now, that's not that's not um, you know a question by Kelvin, but it's just so funny. Just the context of we went through all this and you guys were shopping. Yeah, and then it's like I bought a motivational tape. <laughs> they well, they ended up needing that motivation, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Um, but I think this is the fact that you have Chevron's ask it. Did you go shopping? And that's a very funny line. And you gave it to Chevron. I was I was conscious of this when I wrote the last piece last night that we read just considering like i need chevron to to not just be a blank you know character i need him to to lead the charge a little bit and that's why i, I, I yeah. that's why i had chevron be the one you know when when it's like 3250 and the ambassador's like demanding for what it's like chevron who who kind of gets it first that that's a reasonable price and i want you to be quiet because we want to get away with <laughs> with just paying 3250 for this this disaster I think I think that if we were to break down the characters, I would say uh, the, the that our main character is Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> that the ambassador is Owl, and that Macy is Rabbit. Macy's Rabbit because Rabbit is intelligent and is like, come on, guys, let's let's be serious. Um, though she's not nervous like Rabbit. And then Chevron would be like Tigger or something. Ah, you know that's that's not too far off. Really? Yeah. Um, if we're going to break them down, because those characters all have very specific character traits. That's what I like about Winnie the Pooh is they all have their own character traits. Yeah. Um, and also, I think our main character is also Eeyore. Yeah, I might I might go, I might, I think everything is on point, except I'm not sure about the Ambassador and Chevron. I might, I might switch those two. I'm not sure. Well, because I think, she, I think Owl, Owl got, tries to be intelligent, yeah. but he's not. But he thinks he is. Yeah. And then, yeah, maybe maybe Chevron isn't. It's she- Chevron's Chevron's a little aloof. Yeah, Chevron's a little aloof, but but I do think the ambassador might be closer to Tigger than he would be to to Owl, with his outrageousness. Yeah, he has a lot more spring in his spring yeah. in his step, and he can make everybody else spring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did like him. Like 
If you expect my party to pay for that disaster of a dessert display, you've another, you have another thing coming. I like this idea that... <laughs> that yeah, I like, thought that was great. There's, con- there's a lot in this last one. Because <laughs> consider, like, the last time he saw them was they were walking into a restaurant. And the next time <laughs> he sees them, he sees a geyser of chocolate, and they go flying <laughs> out of it. <laughs> He's like, that's a disaster. Not, what a dessert. <laughs> what a disaster. I love how they're not really phased by these by these things, though. <laughs> the, the only thing is not like it's, it's just saying, what a disaster of a dessert. How you know they're they're not gonna pay you. No shock, no question, <laughs> like, hey guys, are you okay? Like you just got shoved out of the earth. But but no, that's not the question I'm gonna ask. Yeah. Um so let's let's I think go ahead. There was some good, there's a good thing in, uh, where was it? I really like, oh, this whole thing in your section, the whole muddy matter was, was really, was really funny. I, there was a section I remember highlighting, my desperation was showing and worse, my brow was beginning to perspire. No, that wasn't it. Look through a rope ladder. If you're going to tear us back down to the underworld, you might as well tear it now. We're, while we're all perforated with exhaustion, you'll make a clean break of it. But if you're not going to tear us down, then might I request you give us a boost and boost us out of here? Or even much as a step stool to step out of this mess? I thought it was brilliant. I love that. <laughs> oh, thanks. That phrasing was great. I was trying to make a note of it, but I couldn't really highlight. Um, all right. So what were you going to oh, say? Oh, no. In terms of that phrasing. Good I was, wordplay. I was, uh, I was, yeah, I wanted to kind of play with the, with the, uh, with the you know, tear us down. And I'm like, well, if they're being torn, well, they're, maybe they're perforated with exhaust you know i just kind of like built on the on on those terms that we use all the time um and tried to tried to find a way to visualize them and you know inject a little more energy into these these words that that are kind of ready-made phrases like tear us down or um boost us up uh so i actually probably should have said then might i request you give us a uh, like if you're not going to tear us down, then might I request you give us a boost or at least a booster seat? Like I, I think a booster seat would have been funny <laughs> there rather than a step stool. Uh, yeah. No, I think a step stool was funny. Um, but I, I was conscious of writing this section in particular of our previous conversation about wanting to have two people talking. And it's one thing I noticed when I was reading, because like I said, I've been reading Jeeves and Wooster a little more. And one thing I noticed is that they their conversations when they're going back and forth, they're not just one sentence, one sentence, one sentence, one sentence, you know, um, it's more like three or four sentences someone says, and then the next person says three or four sentences and they kind of talk in more paragraphs than they talk in sentences. And I have a tendency throughout my writing historically to kind of let them bounce back and forth. And each one has a sentence or two. And I wanted in this one to be a little more conscious of giving them each a little mini paragraph. Um, so we got to know them a little more. So that's what I was trying to do in this section. Trying to give them more uh, personality because mm-hmm. you can only get so much from a sentence. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, give them a little more time. And and I do like, I love the back and forth. Um, I feel like a lot of my, my ear for dialogue was shaped by Aaron Sorkin's work. Um, yeah. You know, the writer of The West Wing. Um and I, I love that back and forth and what it can sound like and what it can feel like. But, um, yeah, I want, I want to give this a try a little more, giving them more, more to say. Yeah. More depth, more to say. Um, yeah, it's a good, that's a good point. I, yeah. Instead of them just having some witty lines, which you can still have, but, 
um, you can feed it in with narrative and like you have their um, witty, witty wordplay. Mm-hmm. I did want to just mention um, some of the things you introduced in this crop of reading was amazing. Like, I don't know where you got these ideas beyond just the AI, the, the whistling of the earth as he cracks through it. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that's just hilarious. Like, you know, we, we've done a lot in terms of uh, persona, personifying and, and making people out of things like ants and, and other things. But just the, the fact that it's whistling, it's just so funny. I don't know what it is, but uh, the way you describe it and then that they all get sucked out of there and there's just this geyser of chocolate. I mean, that was just, just a brilliant turn of events yeah i was trying to i was trying to get them out of there and i thought what would be a good way to do it okay different atmospheres we'll shove them out and then i wanted to fit them just i I tried i didn't know if i succeeded i tried to make it a funny way of them getting it's almost a cartoon through this little hole yeah and then i don't know if you caught this i have that that part where he like the heat strikes light and it like drips down uh, into his hand and his hands filled with this light it's kind of like a man finding a water dripping into his hand and he catches it. So I try to make light seem kind of like water. It's this this resource that they've been looking for because they've been stuck in this darkness. Yeah, and that's then, a good yeah, point. And then, yeah, the crack whistles and they get pushed out of it. Well, and that's a good point. I mean, where where is the light coming from if they're, if they're under the ground? I don't know. How oh, have yeah. they been seeing anything? <laughs> it's the chocolate, the chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, um, where do we think we're going from here? Well, You're I started writing, I know, it's always me next. I actually started writing my piece. So they are, our good character, Chevron's hungry again, is he not? Yeah, he is. I mean, he hasn't eaten much. He's just had a little bit of chocolate and some toast. Can I read like the first two lines? Sure, of course you can. These are going to change. This is going to be edited. Now, how could you possibly be hungry? Macy asks. You just ate. Dessert always comes before the meal, Chevron said. <laughs> He's got that right. In more ways than one, the ambassador said, pointing to the sign hanging outside the forest. The forest of meals always comes after dessert, the sign read. Well, that's just perplexing, I said. (laughs) Not as perplexing as Chevron's hunger, Macy said. We must move forward, the ambassador said. But it'll probably be edited and changed. Yeah, that's great. I like that you you bring in like where they are, because we do need to, uh, you know, establish where they are and what's next and where they're going i don't even remember what they're looking for at this point i think they're still looking for pepper i don't know (laughs) i think they're looking for pepper (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's about it i'd say would you i would say what say it it's over oh i do agree you can follow each day's paragraph at armistisdesigns.com slash paragraphing blog or on twitter at graphing blog and now if you'll excuse me yes i have a paragraph to write right on (laughs) 